uh, for your presence and your word to do in us exactly what you sent it to do. God, you said that your word uh, would not return to you void, but that it would accomplish the thing that you sent it forth to do. And Jesus, today what we want is that very thing in our lives. God, accomplish in us what you have uh, purposed for us in your word. God, let your word minister to the needs in our hearts, answer our questions, and uh, and encourage us, God, in that direction that you would have us to go. God, we just pray that you would give us ears to hear the things that you're saying, that you would uh, meet every need in this place as only you can. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. I'm always so glad to come here on Sunday mornings. Glad to have a place to go. Uh, go with me to Galatians 5. There's plenty of times that I'm thinking, I wish I could just go to church and sit. Must be what it feels like to be wrong. <laughs> Thought of all the times that he came in here looking really tired and then stood up here all afternoon preaching. So, um, uh, so here in uh, in Galatians five, um, he talks about some interesting things. You know, the, the heading in my Bible says "Privileges of Christian Liberty," um, but. Uh, I think this is a really uh, really great passage, uh, starting in verse 1. He says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So, so he talks about Christ setting you free, um, and, uh, and how you could get tangled up again in this bondage. And I, I like that. Uh, that idea of being entangled in it because if you've ever tried to walk through a room full of stuff, there's all kinds of stuff on the floor. Yes, stuff, as Zoe would say. Um, you know, one time I was, uh, I was painting some ceilings and I had some drywall stilts on because they were tall ceilings. And uh, and I was spraying them, so I've got my little gun, and I've got this hose following me back and forth across the room, and so you kind of go down and passes, like mowing a yard, and then you go back the other way. And um, but if you don't watch what you're doing on the ceiling, then you have a tendency to kind of meander. So in order to make sure that you get it all, you kind of have to look at the ceiling. You can't really watch where you're putting your feet. So I, I'd gone out of my way to make sure the room was clear because I didn't want to die. And uh, I'll be darned if I didn't get all tangled up in that hose and and wiped out and messed up my wrist pretty good again. But um, so that, you know, that's kind of what I think of when he says to not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage because I, I realized I was caught and I, and I tried to stop myself. But it just seemed like no matter which way I pulled, it was just I was just stuck, and uh, and and then of course I wiped out. So uh, being entangled is a really interesting thing. 
but, but he, and he tells us to avoid that, so we can avoid that that uh, entanglement by uh, by the things that he's getting ready to say here. He says, "Behold, I, Paul, say to you, that if you be circumcised, then Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that's circumcised that he's a debtor to do the whole law. For Christ has become of no effect to you, whosoever of you are justified by the law, you're fallen from grace." So, so he says, this is kind of a one or the other type of, of situation. This isn't a uh, um, something where you can kind of choose a little of this and a little of that. Uh, you know, Christianity has kind of uh, become like a buffet. You kind of pick through it and you you load up on the stuff you like, not so much on the stuff you don't like. Uh, you know this. Uh, Kid Nick that works for me, his brother does these YouTube videos um, for for kids, and he, and he talks about the Word of God. And they're, I think they're okay, not the greatest. But he did have this one thing that was really interesting, where he was talking about picking and choosing through what the Word of God says, and and only taking the things that you like. And so this guy is doing this cooking show, and and he's and he's looking through the ingredients in this recipe he's getting ready to make. He's like, well, I don't like this though, so I'm not going to put that in there. I don't like this, so I'm not going to put that in there. Why would you put something gross in there that you don't like? Because then you're not going to like it, right? So he makes this recipe with only the ingredients that he likes, and uh, puts it together somewhat haphazardly. And then of course it comes out all nasty, and he's just, and he's all dumbfounded at why it comes out so bad. So then it goes back to him explaining about taking scriptures out of context and only taking the things that you like. And uh, Nick asked me what I thought of it, and I was like, "Well, that's a really great illustration." And it actually it makes me think of how at the Passover they had to prepare the lamb with uh, bitter herbs because not everything in the Word of God is is sweet and and pleasant to the taste. And he was like, "Huh, that's really interesting." So I could tell he was kind of taking that in and thinking about it. Um, but um, it's easy to do that. It's human nature, I think, to take things that we like, not so much the things that we don't like. And so, in this case, um, you know, he's talking about if you're circumcised, meaning uh, you're going to keep the law that you are you're under that old covenant, then uh, the Christ is of no effect to you. You can't have the the grace of God be your righteousness and the law be your righteousness. It has to be one or the other. And so he says that I testify again in verse three to every man that's circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. And of course we know Paul also talked in other places that you know if you offended one point then then you've broken the whole law. And so he says Christ has become of no effect to you Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you're fallen from grace. And of course, you know, we're all familiar with how that phrase has come to be misused to be something else entirely. Because, you know, if uh, you hear someone say that they're fallen from grace, then they're telling you that they're a sinner, that they're bad, and, and all that kind of stuff. But what he's actually saying here is if you're so righteous, because the things that you do, if that's where your righteousness is, then you're not in grace. You've fallen from grace. And, and I like that he uses the word fallen because it's like you have gone from this high place to a low place. 
and, and your own righteousness could never measure up to uh, to what Christ had. Uh, Jesus told his disciples that your righteousness needs to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. And uh, I remember being a young Christian, about 16 years old, reading that, thinking, "Huh, those guys seem like they kind of had it, have it pretty well together, other than fighting with him, you know." And uh, as I as I grew in the Lord, I, I understood that he was talking about that righteousness that comes by faith, that righteousness that comes from Him. And that righteousness exceeds any kind of righteousness that, that, that we could ever do on our own. So he says that we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. And I like that because we wait for it. Uh, you know, we don't always see those things that uh, that we that we hold to by faith. And that's why we hold to them by faith. You don't need to have faith that something is going to happen if it happened. If you if it's if you have it in your in your possession then you believe, but uh, but this hope of the righteousness by faith, you know we sometimes uh, we get our focus on the outside man rather than on the inside man, and we start thinking when is this whole righteousness thing going to happen? Because I'm kind of still waiting for it. Um, I was listening to. Uh, some Stephen Curtis Chapman the other day, and this old old song of his, um, uh, and it was really interesting because he's like talking about looking in the mirror and seeing this angry man looking back at him, and uh, and I thought, wow, you know, it's really interesting. It really that, and I don't remember what all he said, but it really kind of struck me as, as something that I could really identify with. Uh, and he's and he says, um, um. Uh, I need more than just a little help. I need someone to save me. And uh, I thought, wow, yeah. And that's the difference between Christianity and religion. Religion is just a little help. You know, and Christianity is God comes and He saves you and He rescues you because that's, of course, what Jesus' name means. And so uh, we sometimes get so focused down on the things that we can look at and that we can point to in our life. And it feels good to have things in your life that that you know seem to be some sort of mile marker that that you're doing well or whatever but that never has anything to do with your righteousness it never has anything to do with um whether or not God loves you or is pleased with you so he says here in 6 uh for in Jesus Christ neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision so he says it doesn't matter you know you could be Jew or Gentile makes no difference but faith, which works by love. So you did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion comes not of him that calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. So now he's, you know, this whole letter in, to the Galatians, he's addressing this, this, um, this heresy of these these Jews that would follow him from place to place. Excuse me, and fight with with him, kind of come in and basically tear up the work that God was using him to do after he would leave. And and so that's what he's talking about here. It's like, who should who hindered you that you should not obey the truth? This is the same letter where just a few chapters ago he said, who has bewitched you? In, uh, in Galatians 3 where he says, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? This only what I learned, or before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. 
This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. So, so he's talking to these people just back and forth about, are you going to do this because you can do it? Or is this something that's going to happen in your life because you've accepted him and let him do it in you? And so that's what he's talking about. He said, this persuasion comes not of him that calls you. So this persuasion that, you've, that you're wrestling with, this persuasion you've accepted from these, these Jews who came in after me, this doesn't come from God. This isn't, uh, you know, and of course, you know, he told, uh, he told the people in one of the letters that if anybody comes and preaches anything else other than what you've already received from me, let him be accursed. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. You know, you don't need a lot of leaven to make bread unless, you know, it's an episode of The Little Rascals. And, and you know, you want to have, like, dough pouring out of the windows. You don't really need a whole lot. So, uh, you know, and once you work it through, uh, the, then, you know, uh, it doesn't take a lot. And uh, and so he's saying, you know, you can't afford to let these, these little things in that would... Um, like well, you know, I I do this so so that's good. You know, God must surely be pleased with that and that kind of thing because it's it's all about that righteousness that comes by Him. In verse ten, he says, "I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubles you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be." So there's um, this word otherwise is an interesting word. And uh, uh, I uh, I looked up the phrase otherwise minded, uh, and uh, the only this was only one of two places that that it occurs in the New Testament, and uh, and I'm I'll probably going to read the other one here in a minute. But uh, the word translated as otherwise is different in in both cases, and so uh, if you've ever uh, read, uh, if you've ever looked through. Um, what is it? Uh, uh, is it First Corinthians where he talks about the, the gifts of the Spirit, wherever that is? Yeah, you'd think I would know that. But anyway, uh, um, yeah, yeah, in twelve, uh, where he says, you know, that there are the uh, um, one is given the Spirit of. Uh, by the Spirit, the word of wisdom, and to another, the word of knowledge, to another, faith, to another, gifts of healing, and so on and so forth. As you go through those, they're actually kind of grouped together in these different words. There's Because there's another, like numerically, another of the same kind, and then there's another of a different kind. And they're different words. And, he, and it, they're kind of, these, these gifts seem to be sort of grouped together in, in things that are somewhat related so, um, in this in this uh, verse here, where he says, "I have confidence in you through the Lord," off to Sunday school they go. Look at that enthusiasm. So as you go through this, he says that you'll be none otherwise minded. This is this another of the same mind, another of the same kind. The, and the Darby says, "I have confidence in you that you will have no other mind." <clears throat> so, so this I'm, he's saying, you know, I'm sure 
that you're not going to fall back into this place of believing uh, these things that you believed before, but that you're going to uh, you're going to go on in the things that that you've that you've been taught from me. <clears throat> Let's see. And this this minded is an interesting word um, because it has to do with um, it's kind of like choosing up sides. Being, but so being convinced of something, subscribing to something, and it does have with it a sense of, you know, this is this is what we do, and so he's saying that I have confidence through the Lord that you're not going to get into some some other kind of mindset. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Must be getting to be that time of year. <coughs> and he says, so if I, brethren. If I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would they were even cut off which trouble you. For brethren, you have been called to liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion of the flesh, but by love serve one another. Um, which is a precious thing because uh, it's easy to fall into that place of, uh, like, well, I've been freed from the law, so I can do this. You know, and it's like, well, no, not precisely. You know, because this the sense of being set free from the law that he's talking about is that the the law is no longer your righteousness. Uh, and uh, you know, and he says, um, I believe it's here in Galatians. He says that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. And so. Uh, it's easy to come into that place of thinking, well, I can I can do, you know, kind of what I want to do, and it'll be okay because, after all, I, I have liberty and I've got the grace of God and all these kinds of things. And and of course, <clears throat> the older we get, the more we realize that actually that's not fearing God. That's not really taking God seriously at all. And uh, and indeed, there is mercy there, and there is grace there, but there comes this place where he is done with the game-playing thing. And uh, I think we've probably all been through that, have all come to that point in our life and, and, uh, and come through it successfully, because that's what he does. Um, so, so he says, you know, not use it at liberty as an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. It's interesting that he ties it in with serving one another because um, it's easy to, you know, come to this place where you have liberty on some issue because you, you, you know, God has brought you to this place where you are, you know that it's okay or whatever, or, or that you, you know, you, you're okay with it uh, in him and yet maybe, maybe your neighbor not so much. And so it's easy to then take that liberty and and say hey you know this is this is an okay thing and maybe maybe to them they uh, uh, they don't have that kind of faith to be able to deal with with that issue that way or whatever you know and, and Paul talks about that in Romans uh, like 13 14 somewhere in there where he talks about um, uh, you know that that you shouldn't destroy your your uh, weak brother for whom Christ died not with you know not over something as trivial as, as meats and that kind of thing so, uh, but he says, if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. 
This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be not led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. So, so it kind of sums up what he's been talking about in this sense of being otherwise minded, in this walking in the Spirit and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, and being led by the Spirit and ra- rather than by the law. You know, it's it's a lot easier to have like a nice little rule book of of things, uh, a checklist, if you will. Uh, uh, this is what this is what you do here. If you ever gotten a call from a telemarketer, I uh, get them all the time. They have those little scripts, right? And you know they're reading from a script, and you know they have this little flow chart where it's like you say no, so okay, customer says no, you say this, you know, and then the customer still says no, you say this, and uh, um, and we all like that. Oh, it's like okay, so what if this happens? Well, this is what you do then. Okay, but then. What if this happens? Well, then you do this. Um, but being led by the Spirit, like he says here in verse 18, eliminates the need for the flowchart because he's there, because you have him. And so that's the mind that we want to have, is that, that confidence that God can lead me, God can get me where I'm going, and I don't, I don't need to have all the answers up front. Uh, so flip over a few pages with me to Philippians uh, 3. <clears throat> I think I shall start in... Uh, yeah, 12. Of course, in chapter 2, we know he talks about let this mind uh, in two five it says, "Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus." And so we want, of course, that mind to be in us. That's the the thinking that that we're talking about that that we're after here. Uh, so in Philippians three and verse twelve, he says, "Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after." If that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ Jesus. So he has this goal then. And, and he, he says, I don't see myself as having attained that goal, but I'm, I'm pressing after that goal. I'm, I'm, I'm following after him. Apprehend is a great word. I remember when, uh, when Cynthia's brother first uh, was a policeman and uh, he came home and... Uh, told everyone this breathless story of, of how he, he chased this bad guy through all these neighborhoods and like was like jumping fences and like tackled him and you know, cuffed him and put him in the car and all that stuff. And, and it was awesome. You know, Daniel was like, I don't know, four or five. And he just rolled his eyes and he was like, That's marvelous, Dad. Extraordinary. It's like what kind of four year old uses those sort of words? You know, but I don't know, maybe he was a little bit older than that, but um, I always loved that story, but apprehended. You know, it's like, so you chased him down and you caught him. That's the word the police used. It's like, you know, you could say nabbed, I suppose. doesn't quite have the same thing. But I follow after that I may apprehend 
that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. So, so he, so he was cruising down the street in, in his in his police cruiser, and he picked me up. And so he picked me up for a purpose, and so that purpose is what I'm after. That's what Paul's saying here. That that my goal is the goal that he has for me. And so he says, uh, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I don't see myself as having arrived at, at some some great place yet. He says, But this one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forth to the things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Um, you know, and I've always, you know, for years I always thought of this passage in the sense of, you know, forgetting the things that are behind, you know, forgetting all that stuff you'd like to forget, forgetting all that stuff that you wish never happened, forgetting all the stuff you don't want anybody else to know about. And that's and that's certainly what he's talking about here. But he's also talking about, you know, he's but forgetting the things which are behind, you'd have to forget about your accomplishments as well. Forget about your accolades, forget about all your your awards and and trophies and all that stuff. I love that song uh, uh, about uh, um, clinging to the old rugged cross until uh, until all my trophies at last I lay down. Um, you know, because what kind of what kind of trophy could you hold up in the face of the cross? You know, in in the, in the in light of of his merit and his work and the things that that he's done, what what accomplishment could you possibly Hold up to him. There's nothing like being the guy in the room with the least impressive story. <laughs> it's like, it's like you know, listening. You know, I don't know if you've ever played. You know, can you top this? You know, telling you know horror stories of people. If you've never played that with Cynthia's brother again, Bobby, then you should, because you will both get an education and some a lot of entertainment. The same time, but you know, there's nothing like, oh yeah, you know, once I fell, broke my arm, and did this and that, and the thing. I got a splinter once, my toe really hurt, you know. And that's kind of what it's like to try and hold up some kind of accomplishment in the face of the cross. It's like you know, to to see all that he did. It's like, well, yeah, what would you say? So Paul says, I press towards this mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So he's pressing towards this goal that God has, has picked him up for us and has, has apprehended him to do. And so he says, let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in any, anything you be otherwise minded, then God should reveal even this to you. So here's that word again, that phrase, otherwise minded. And here, he he uses a different word for otherwise, and this is the word heteros, and uh, means another of a different kind. I won't belabor that point. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. But uh, um, so he's saying, if you have some other kind of mind, if your mind is different than this, if your goal is different than this then God shall reveal, can reveal that to you. And, and, of course, this is the word apocalypsis, the, the, to, uh, to disclose or to remove the cover from. And so uh, it's easy to just sort of get busy with life and 
perhaps be otherwise minded, to have your, your goals start shifting in a, a, a divergent path from where God would have you going, the, the, the road that you've been on, the path that you've set out to do. Um, and, and to me, this is like a safety net. It's like if you be otherwise minded, if your, your goals start diverging from God, if your, your life is less than what God wants it to be, then he'll reveal it to you. He'll show you. And uh, I could, you know, think of, you know, of a great example off the top of my head would be, you know, we stopped having church here in 1998. And um, I just kind of went off floating around in left field doing my own thing. And, you know, by, by 2006, uh, you know, I wasn't exactly running after the world, but I was reading all kinds of trash books and listening to all kinds of trash music. And, and uh, my taste in movies was uh, left a lot to be desired. But I still had this sense of God being real in my life and that he was there and that he had a purpose for my life that was more than this and that someday something would happen that would would change it. Um, I didn't really I didn't really have uh, any input into my life that was saying, hey, well, you should run after God now. You should just, why don't you get serious? And, uh, you know, we we usually have the year-end revivals here and uh, at Christmas time. And uh, I remember the one year we didn't, I remember just sitting at home in my apartment and it was so surreal. It was just weird being at home on New Year's Eve, like watching TV. felt really just empty. And and yet I just didn't feel like I had any um, any oomph to to really get a hold of God. I just, I just felt this kind of just numb, turmoil kind of feeling and just kind of was just busy living life. And, uh, you know, we had, uh, and then at the end of 2006, of course, we had revival again. And it wasn't particularly noisy or emotional or uh, even all that well attended, perhaps. But, and I can't point to any particular moment in those meetings, but something in those meetings uh, was best way I could describe it was God coming and finding me out in left field catching grasshoppers and you know bringing me back in saying okay now now here's what we're going to do this is not what your life is about so let's let's get after that and uh and life has never really been the same since and so he does do that but you know we we need those course corrections frequently I think you know, and so it's precious that to have the sense of if you be otherwise minded, God should reveal it to you. And so, I mean, this can be as simple as, uh, you know, I had a, a week this week filled with um, all kinds of negative emotional input and, um, uh, by the end of the week, I just kind of wanted to slam my head in the car door, to be quite honest. It was just a really rough week. And uh, it, it, that's the idea, yeah. 
No. But it seemed like it would hurt less than all the emotional turmoil that I felt inside. You know, but you know, God knows how to bring our focus back to well, but actually this is just today or this is just this week. You know, next week things will be better. Next tomorrow things will be different. And even if they're not yet, then uh, you can change your mind about these things, and you can get your focus back on me, and and you can let my mind be in you, instead of uh, judging after the sight of your eyes, and reproving after the hearing of your ear, and reacting emotionally to the things around you, which is exactly what I was doing. Nothing like dealing with angry people to make you angry. And uh, um, so... So God knows how, then, to um, just bring us back into that focus of where he wants us to be, to get us back on that convergent path with, with his purpose for our life. And that's what Paul's talking about in this reaching forth to apprehend those things that, that he's been apprehended for in Christ. So, you know, So being otherwise minded is not something that we want to have happen to us. It's not something we want to allow in because a lot of that, I think, is maintenance, uh, spending time in the Word, spending time in prayer. But should you get off in left field catching grasshoppers out in the creek in the back 40 catching frogs, um, uh, climbing the corporate ladder chasing money, bigger house, pretty car, all that stuff, uh, God knows how to... Bring your focus back to where it should be. And there's always this sense of relief in God bringing your focus back to Him and to what life is really about. We used to have this notepad by the phone at our house back when we had one of those little things that sat on the table and made noise and you picked it up and you kind of you couldn't walk away from it because it had a cord on it. And, and uh, my, my kids are fascinated by that thing when they go over to my parents' house. Uh, they pick it up and look at it. You know, there's no screen on it, and you know if you take it off the cradle long enough, it makes noise. They like that, but uh, um, we had this little notepad next to it, you know, because of course this was before the days of Google Keep, where you could just you know take notes on your phone while you're talking to somebody. And uh, it said, uh, uh, "In a hundred years, this won't matter." Uh, and and there's like this little there's this little old lady on it. Uh, and uh, like, cause this is like the title in big block letters. This won't matter in a hundred years. And then there's a little speech bubble, and she's like, "It barely matters now." <laughs> and and I loved that. I thought that was so great. But I think I could stand to have that tattooed on my eyelids. You know, it's like somebody tells you something you don't want to hear, or you have some unpleasant situation to deal with. Like in a hundred years, this won't matter. In fact, it barely matters now. And uh, um, and so you know that's the thing that uh, that God does is He gets our focus back on. Does this really matter? Well, no, not really. Uh, you know, um, you know, being in in Brandon's group uh, and benchmarking against these other painters in other parts of the country and stuff kind of makes you feel like you have to perform. Like you know, and it's like I have to, I have to succeed. I have to do X, Y, and Z, and it's like I got numbers to hit and all this stuff. 
and I was reading uh, Tozer, and uh, and he, yeah. If you've never read Tozer, he's so blunt, but it's just so great. <laughs> I really liked it, and he says, and, I, and I'm not gonna, I can't quote it exactly right, but he says something to the effect of, uh, uh, you know, nothing matters but the living God, not success, uh, not not failure, but God. That God is not. Uh, he is not enriched by my successes, nor is he impoverished by my failures. And I thought, man, I want to make that into like a little plaque and put it up in my office. It's like, you know, it does. You know, am I succeeding in make in hitting my goals for this business? Who cares? You know, because what what life is really about is about him. And so it's precious how God gets us into that mindset and we and we let him put that mindset into us because you can feed your mind on just about anything and uh, uh, I saw this this great little video uh, speaking of wasting your time watching a, a YouTube video and but these guys were singing this song about how everybody gets is so caught up on their phone like how this guy is like he's like doing like a He's putting his his like apple pie a la mode on Instagram, and while he's deciding what filter to put over the picture, his ice cream melts. <laughs> so the guy like takes his phone, like licks the screen. And he's like, "See, does it taste good now that you've ruined it because you were too busy putting it on Facebook?" Or like this guy is at his his baby's birthday party, and he's not paying attention to the party because he's too busy putting pictures of it on Facebook. And it's like, does everybody need to see 50 more pictures of your kid? You know, and, and it, was, it was funny because it's like, wow, it's really true. But you can input all kinds of things into your mind. Um, you know, but when that input comes from the Word of God, then it gives you an opportunity to let Him put His mind in you. And, um, and the, the difference between His input and every other input is becoming more and more divergent the the longer you go there you know the the further we get down the road every day the just just reading the news kind of requires some some picking and choosing judiciously it's like you can see the headline and think i'm not going to read that it's like i'm really curious but i'm not going to read that you know but uh so letting him put his mind in us is a really precious thing, and it gives us a, a focus that's really precious because um, it makes life not seem so scary when when you're going down life's road with him, and your goals are his goals, and and you can rest in knowing that, that he's got everything under control. So Jesus, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness to us, your mercy. Uh, God, we just. Uh, ask that you would plant in our hearts that mind, God, that continually that input would come from you, from your word, God, informing our thoughts and, and our uh, our speech. Lord God, you said that the things that, that come out of us come from the heart, Lord God, and what we want is to fill up our heart with your word, with with your thoughts, with your input, God, so that that would be the thing that comes out, God, that the world would see you and not us. God, that you would uh, continually um, let us know that you would reveal to us if we are uh, in anything otherwise minded. God, not thinking 
something different than you, not thinking another thought along the road that's not your thought. God, what we want is is you uh, doing in us exactly what you want to do. I got today in this place, we just pray that you would accomplish your your will, that your word would speak to us, it would fill our souls, that you would plant it deep inside of us, God, and that um, that you would water it, and that, that we would uh, like uh, just like you had Adam in the garden, tending the garden, pulling the weeds, God, that we would be diligent about pulling the weeds, God, because indeed a little leaven leavens the whole lump, and we don't want to allow. The, those thoughts that are contrary to you, contrary to your word, uh, in to uh, to do damage to the the things that you've put in this. God, we just thank you, we praise you, and we just pray that you would do as only you can do in this place today. Amen. Amen.